Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's September 29th, 1978, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day, in the early hours of the morning, that the dead body of Cardinal Albino Luciani, a.k.a. Pope John Paul I, was discovered in the Vatican. He was sitting up in bed with his reading light still on, a collection of his sermons in his hand, when he was discovered by a nun, and he had been Pope for just 33 days. Which made this the first year of three Popes since 1605, although there have been 13 in recorded history, 13 years in which there were three Popes in one year, and one, 1276, a year of four Popes. I had never heard this story until today, because as a child of the 80s, John Paul II was very much my Pope. He was Mm. the Pope. (laughs) Uh, And his influence was so pervasive, and he was so old, that I think I just assumed as a child and never bothered investigating otherwise. That there'd ever been other popes? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, obviously his name suggests there was a predecessor. I I just sort of assumed that he must have been pope since the 60s or something. I didn't know that there were popes that weren't him in the the late 70s. I agree. I sort of feel as though John Paul II is my pope as well, though I really would have liked for John Paul I to have been my pope. The, The description from the New York Times of his character was that he arrived like fresh air in a long sealed room and he quickly beguiled a curious worldwide audience with his gentle manner and a country pastor's smile. So not only was he this quite likable character, but also he sounded like he was the right mix of progressive tempered with a bit of conservative as opposed to John Paul II's just straight up full conservatism. Yeah, I thought there was an interesting parallel with Pope Francis, actually. John Paul Mm. I was nicknamed the Smiling Pope um, because he had this very kindly demeanour. He was a bit of an outsider. He'd never been a Vatican official, which was quite unusual for the time to become Pope. And he had some pretty interesting ideas, like he once suggested that developed countries should give 1% of their income to the developing world as a recompense for exploitation. And he urged priests to sell their valuables for charity. So, you know, he had this kind of simple living philosophy, this humility, although, as Arian touched on, he was still a bit of a stickler for doctrine, and that's what the church was looking for. You know, <laughs> tends I mean, you're to be the, the thing with popes, doesn't it? A bit <laughs> yeah. of a stickler for the doctrine. But if you consider what John Paul II preached regarding abortion and contraception and gay rights, I think it's safe to say that John Paul I would have had a different approach. And he was the son of a bricklayer himself as well, wasn't he? So he came mm. from a poor family. That's the parallel with Pope Francis, isn't it? The sort of working class roots, prioritising social justice and the poor. Yeah, and also the vision of a more stripped-down papacy. Uh, he refused to wear the papal tiara. He didn't use the royal we, which previous popes had always done, and he only used the papal sedan chair under duress when it was pointed out that this would be the only way for the crowds to see him. He really did not want to be carried around on people's shoulders, um, but they hadn't invented the Pope mobile yet, so he didn't have much choice. Stilts. Stilts must have been an option. Papal stilts. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, actually, it's worth looking at what he said when he did speak to the public on the very few occasions that he did, because one of his Sunday sermons, he'd said, God is a father, and even more so, a mother. Now, like I say, he didn't have many times to uh, mm. make any particularly landmark quotes, so that's one that's gone into the, the canon straight away and is now celebrated by the Catholic Church, and it was uh, the inscription on his stamp, uh, his commemorative stamp in 2012. But at the time, that would have pissed off a lot of priests, wouldn't it? Yeah. God is a father and even more so a mother. Yeah, and I think that this potential for shaking things up is part of what has underpinned the conspiracy theories that I'm sure we're about to get to that surround his death, which may have just been the simplest answer, which is that he had a heart attack and died. That is the official cause of death according to the Vatican doctor. (laughs) But the rather less straightforward uh, explanations could be to do with the fact that he was about to change the Catholic Church in ways that lots of people were going to disagree with. Yeah, and he himself seemed to have a weird premonition that he wouldn't be in office for long. I mean, he had said that he did not want to be voted Pope. May um, God forgive you for what you have (laughs) done. He apparently that said. was his his rousing yeah. speech to the cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> That's surely a funny fun times joke, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not sure if if any pope says, "May God forgive you." You can take it that lightly, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and appara- apparently, he had said that he would turn it down, but when the moment actually came, he couldn't follow through. So he did actually accept, but. There was an unfortunately named cardinal from the Philippines whose name was Cardinal Sin. Oh no. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. Cardinal <laughs> Cardinal Sin had told him that he would be the next. <laughs> it's really unfortunate. It's like the opposite of nominative determinism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's get behind hard me, to get Satan. that promotion. Yeah. Um, but Cardinal, this Cardinal, Cardinal Sin, had predicted to John Paul I that he would be named as the next pope. And afterwards, when he congratulated him, John Paul I said, you were a prophet, but my reign will be a short one. Mm. Well, also, his choice of name was unprecedented at the time for a couple of reasons. One, the doubleness, being John Paul, that hadn't been done by any pope before, uh, and it was seen as him uh, being the compromise candidate, basically, because the previous two popes had been John and Paul, so he was saying they were from different factions of the church. I will represent both sides of the church, John, Paul. But also the one. He called himself John Paul I. That had never been done before either. Normally, you know... the. Number one doesn't get called number one until number two comes out. It's like with films. Uh, but he said, I'm John Paul I, which did sort of suggest that... And of course he knows there's going to be a John Paul II, but it rather suggests he knew there might be one rather sooner than you might expect. At least he didn't go Star Wars style and call himself John Paul IV. <laughs> yeah. A new hope. <laughs> or a new pope, even. A new pope. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracies did come pretty thick and fast in the contemporary press, though, didn't they? This isn't just something people have looked back on and and been suspicious about. And the reasons for that are manifold. But I think probably the biggest is that, okay, Vatican law says we don't do autopsies because it's a desecration of the body, etc. But they said not only can you not do an autopsy about this mysterious death of a man who no one thought was ill but also can we embalm him really really quickly within 24 hours mm. which i know vatican city's a separate state but under italian law that's too early that seemed a bit weird 
and eventually it started to be looked into more seriously by investigative journalists, is kind of culminating in the 1984 book by a guy called David Yallop, uh, In God's Name. And that proposed the theory that the Pope knew that he was in danger right from the very, very beginning. And it was largely because the Vatican's bank had been caught up in this really scandalous affair with this other bank called the Bank Ambrosiano and had lost a huge amount of money just prior to JP1 coming to the papal see. JP1. Like your mates now. <laughs> yeah, I feel we're five minutes in. We, we got this. But he had arrived determined, according to some, to clean up all of these banking irregularities. And because of quite a lot of these people were A, very powerful and B, still alive, the theory followed that he was knocked off by the people who were involved in this massive scandal. Yeah, and Yallop said that he died with a list in his hand of the <laughs> IOR Vatican Bank board who were connected with Freemasonry. I mean, that's a bit that's a bit too much, isn't it? That's gilding the lily from, from <laughs> yeah. Yallop there. It's very Dan Brown. <laughs> but, you see, adding fuel to the fire was the Vatican's own representation of how he died. And that's the problem, isn't it? Because, of course, the Catholic Church wants to paint its own picture of how the most holy man in the world, appointed by God or appointed on behalf of God, has died. And so, like I, I said up top, he died with his own sermons in his hands is the kind of accepted mm. version. But at the time, I think they'd, they'd originally reported that it was a holier text than that. And then their own timelines of what had happened, partly, I think, just to make it all seem a bit more dignified than it was, his body just being stumbled upon or being left there for hours or all the rest of it, were inconsistent. So there, there were there's one sequence of events in which the undertakers would have arrived before the Pope had died. Did you come across the letters that Luciani wrote before he was Pope? The humorous letters that he wrote to real and fictional people? No. This is the thing. So he had a column in the sort of, you know, Catholic News or whatever it was called. They were doctrinal essays. But he was kind of, as Rebecca alluded to earlier, he was kind of homely. He wrote letters. One was to Mark Twain. One was to Charles mm -hmm. Dickens. One was to Pinocchio. And it was all about <laughs> Pinocchio finding a girlfriend, like advice to Pinocchio on finding a girlfriend. Wait, 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 wait. I really thought he would be using that to address lying, but he's taking it in a very different direction. <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of like, let me tell you what happens when you get to a certain age and you're not going to be a priest. Ha, ha, ha. That's so weird. But it was, you know, talking to the people in a way they'd understand and then, and then blast them with a bit of theology in between the, the jokes. He was a factual entertainer, basically, is what I'm saying. He'd be here. <laughs> he'd, he'd be a podcaster these days. He'd be a welcome addition to our hosting lineup. <laughs> I think it's time that this panel had a more conservative voice on birth control. <laughs> Tomorrow. Yeah, if you're improved by the smell of a dead animal, then uh, it's not the greatest advertisement for your scent. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.